Good morning. Man, alive. Tell you what, I'm shaking like crazy this morning. A lot's been going on. And for those of you who don't know, the Lord told me years ago that two things would increase. He put his hand on my heart and said my heart would increase for him. And I assume in conjunction with that was the next thing he said. That as he fills me with his Holy Spirit, I will shake more and more. Believe it or not, I used to write pretty good. I I could write fairly clearly. Now I can't even read my own handwriting. Well, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes I can. Because sometimes he'll, he'll give me a control of that. But man alive this morning. Crazy. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We praise you, Lord. I don't know, God, why I am feeling the way I'm feeling, but I trust you. I give you my yes. I ask, Father, as we come before you and as we come before your table to learn, God, that you open up your scripture to us. Open up your heart to us. It is not our desire, nor is it my desire, to listen to me. I ask that you just set me aside and speak what you desire through me. For I want to learn as well. We trust you. We love you. We thank you, God, that you gave so much more than just some head knowledge of you. For it is your desire to give the closeness of relationship, to know you in ways that we never thought were possible. To be unified with you and unified together in a bond that cannot be broken. I thank you. I thank you for that. Is what you are doing in your remnant bride. We trust you for it, God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yesterday morning... Nobody, only a few people knew about this, but yesterday morning I got back from a trip from Brazil. I went to Sao Paulo, was there for a whopping 36 hours. (laughs) 
and then came home. I'm pretty sure I spent about as much time on the plane as I spent there. But I'll talk about that in a minute. That's not what this morning's about, but it plays into what the Lord is going to show. I think I told you last week how I got up here and, and, you know, it was blank and the Lord does that and then he speaks and, you know, goes on for an hour and a half. Today's kind of the opposite situation. And, and I've experienced both many, many times, but this morning it was, it was like, well, here's, here's a verse and okay, here's another verse and here's another verse and I'm, I'm writing all these down and I've got like 20 references here and how in the world Lord, you need to put this together. So what is it that you want your people to know? What is it that you want them to get? And he said, I need them to get to understand the times in which we live. Not for endurance sake, but for the sake of leadership. For the sake of understanding your calling. Understanding that you play a part in what he's doing right now. That he is calling you to something bigger. And you know what? It's simple. It's simple. It's not about education. It's not about strength. It's not about wealth. It's not about any of those things, but it's about knowing Him. It's about your relationship with Him. That is where everything begins and ends. All the rest of it is Him working through you in that relationship. That's literally what it is. But He wants us to understand the times in which we are in because a lot of Christians are not getting it. Most of the bride doesn't get it. But even a lot of the remnant are not getting it. They're not understanding where we're at right now. So we're going to take the next three and a half hours. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just, I just was like, Lord, okay, can you, you're, you're going to have to rip through some of these verses pretty quick. Cause there's so much here. I am just going to highlight a lot of this stuff. But I'm going to tell you just like every, every single week, if you don't go home and you don't open the Word of God and you don't dive in for yourself, you're going to be lost. You're going to be lost. He wants you to get it. He wants you to get it because you sitting right here, you listening online, the remnant of God, those who He has built all over the world that get these things, you are called to lead. That may not make sense because we have no power. We have no authority in the human realm. I can't walk into the White House and say, you must listen to me. Or you must listen to God. Listen to Jesus. I mean, right now, I'd be shot just trying to get in the gate, I'm sure. We have no earthly authority. 
But man, if you think that's where the authority is from, you're missing the whole thing. Everything that God does, He does in the Spirit first. Why? Because that's where the battle is, guys. That's where the real battle is. If you, when he says, have eyes to see and ears to hear, he's talking about something that we cannot physically see. We cannot necessarily physically hear without his giftings. But it doesn't mean we can't know. Because, see, we see signs of what he does. We've talked about this for months. Right? What you see going on in the government right now, this transparency that's coming out that is almost more frustrating. I used to think, Lord, just bring it all out. Make it transparent. That's what this world needs. Make it transparent. All the things they do behind closed doors. All the things that are against you, Father, just make it transparent. Well, guess what? He's done that. I'm more frustrated now than I was then. Why? Because people see it and don't care. They don't care. Why? Well, I'm going to think for most, it's because they don't feel they could do anything about it. I mean, honestly, that, that's how we feel, right? We have no power to do anything about it, but yet Revelation 3 says, You have no power, but yet, I've opened a door for you. Right? To the church of Philadelphia. I've opened a door that no one can close. And by the way, no one could open except him. He opened it. So what is really happening God is showing the transparency of what's being done, but then He is also showing the corruption of nothing being done about it. That's exactly what He's doing. It's all part of this plan. You know, sometimes, uh, you, you probably understand and, and feel the same way as me, sometimes I'm just like, Lord, let me go to sleep and wake me up when something's starting to, like, make sense. When, when the enemy starts losing in this realm. <laughs> but see, we can't. Because we are the instruments of his enforcement. Do you understand? We can't go to sleep. We can't be quiet. We can't not get involved. Because we're the instruments of His change. He wants to use every And not just me, guys. Not just pastors somewhere. Not just ministry leaders somewhere. You want to know the real power in the remnant bride? It's all of us together. Unified. There is no greater power. The Lord said it. That's who He works through. So this fight, and I, I want to tell you some things this morning, because it has to do with going to Brazil, so I will explain that. But I want to tell you guys some things 
that help you to realize the fight, the war that is being waged in the spirit. Because it may not look like it in the physical realm yet, but it will. It will because those wars are won first in the spirit. So we're going to go through about half the Bible this morning. <laughs> yeah. Everybody take a deep breath. Let it out. Okay, are you ready? All right. I want you to turn first to Zechariah. And if we have time, we're going to actually end up back in Zechariah. Because remember I told you, Zechariah, the Lord told me a long time ago, Zechariah is a blueprint for the rest of the age. Right? And you look at that, and, and it's interesting because... I mean, like a lot of things in the Word of God, when you look at it on the surface, it doesn't make sense. Until you start to plug it into a mosaic that the Lord is putting together, then all of a sudden this light goes on. Bing! Oh, that's what you're talking about. That's the book of Zechariah. But we're going to begin in chapter 4. And I just want to point out one thing. At this point, in chapter 4, there's a vision of a golden lampstand. I want to tell you, this is a topical vision of how God's structure over the earth looks. Okay? And, and I want to give you a, a specific part of it. But let me read this. We'll start in verse 2. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand, all of gold with a bowl on top of it, and seven lamps on it, with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. Now go down, and, and by the way, I don't, I don't want to forsake so much that's in here. I, I love verse 10 where it says, don't forsake the day of small beginnings. Oh man alive, we've said that here at Ignition so much. Don't forsake that. In, a, in other words, don't let it depress you. Don't look at it as a small thing. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. God makes a lot out of something little. But go down to uh, the second half of verse 10. It says where, where the angel explains what it is. These seven, okay, in other words, the, the seven lamps, right? These seven are the eyes of the Lord which range throughout the whole earth. Lord showed me this afterwards. When God started taking us through this battle arrangement, if you will, here at Ignition, He started opening things up to us. He started teaching us the battlefield and understanding the war in which we are waging. He started to tell me things that didn't make sense at the time. And, and that's often how it works with me. I, I know many others, but often he'll tell me something, and the first thing I do is, Lord, okay, show me in your word. Because everything that he is and does will always coincide with his word. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So I can go to his word and I can see in the character of his word what he's talking about. So as he is laying out the infrastructure of the world 
and how the authority operates in the world, I said, okay, show me. Because what he told me, and this was years ago, he told me that the, the world is broken down into seven zones. He called them regions. I call them zones for lack of a better term. It's broken down into seven regions. And in those seven regions, there is particular authority. Okay, this is how he had planned it from the beginning. But, and I, I don't want to go too far into this because it will take time away from what I, what I want to go through in terms of what's going on, but I can't remember the name of the podcast, but we did a whole podcast, might have even been a series, I can't remember, on the Tower of Babel, if you guys remember that. Okay, this is a critical piece of evidence in what has happened in history. Remember, you had all the things that happened that led up to the flood, right? You had the corruption that led up to the flood. God said, okay, we're going to start everything all over again. We're going to get rid of this corruption. And there, by the way, that was a very specific corruption. I'm not going to go into that either, but it was a very specific corruption. The flood came, started over again with those eight people, Noah and his family. A few hundred years later, right, then corruption started to build again. It built up to the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was the first time that we see in the Word of God where man is, what I say earlier, unified. Now, the sad part is they were unified against God. Right? They were unified against God. But the power of that unity was what caused a reaction from God. What was his reaction? I won't, I won't look it up. You could look it up. Deuteronomy 32. He said, I gave away the nations. What does that mean? Gave it to who? Gave them to themselves? No. No, he gave those nations to the very, and it, it says it in 32. You go read it. He gave them over to those in which they believed. He gave them over to the principalities that they worshipped and called God. Okay, so there were seven zones, remember? All throughout the earth. So each of those zones were given a particular authority principality to. That was in charge of each zone. That's what happened at the Tower of Babel. That's, that's why they were scattered, it talked about. Okay, they were scattered more than just a couple hundred miles, guys. Right? I mean, we, we, have, we have evidence of civilizations going back to that time frame that were all the way across the world. Right? We have over in China going back to that, that time frame. We have down in South America going down to that time frame. We have here in America 
going back to that time frame, evidence of these things. Okay, so they were scattered all over the world. And they were put in charge. These, these seven principalities were put in charge of these seven zones. And by the way, we learned that each of those principalities had seven, we called them colonels. Because for lack of a better term, I called the principalities generals because they were all under Lucifer, all under Satan. They were the seven generals. Each one of them had seven colonels. Again, for lack of a better term, that wasn't the Lord's term, just mine. So you had seven and seven for each zone. And Lord, where is this in your word? He took me to Zechariah. He said, right there. It was in a vision I gave Zechariah the, the authority of how he set up the earth. And then he gave this authority to those principalities at the Tower of Babel. But, then there came a time where their failure was held to account. What was their failure? Even though they were fallen principalities, when they were placed in charge to rule, to steward what God had placed in their hands, they were still responsible for it. How insane is that thought? Are you guys following what I'm saying? Even though, like, like that's even to say that when Satan, when Lucifer became the prince in the power of the air, and he became in charge of the whole earth, the prince of the earth, God knew who he was. God knew that he, he came against God. He literally wants to rise up to be as God. So God knew what he was going to get from him, and yet he allowed it to happen. Why? Because he was still responsible to steward it before God. Why? Because that's the law. That's the law. That's not the Torah law. That is God's law. Because that's what God told to Adam. Go out, subdue the earth. Take under control... And manage it for God. That's what he told Adam. So Adam gave that responsibility away. It didn't change the terms. It didn't change the terms at all. Satan was still responsible to govern correctly. So were these seven principalities. Turn to Psalm 82. Wow, I thought we'd be like on the fifth or sixth thing yet. Sorry. <laughs> okay, Lord, I'm asking you to slow down time. Just, just like you did with Jacob, I need that extra time here. Let me speak faster and they understand. Psalm 82 is a very interesting psalm. In fact, if you have never studied this psalm, I encourage you to study it because it will blow your mind. It will blow your mind in understanding the hierarchy of authority in the spirit realm, which is critical for you to understand if you are going to be part of this fight. Right? Okay, Psalm 82, verse 1. God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods. He holds judgment. 
That verse alone ought to make you shake a little bit. Because don't misunderstand if you're looking at different interpretations of this verse. Because the word God is Elohim and it's used twice. God Himself called them gods. Understand that. Little g. Little g. They were not equal with God, the Father. They were not equal with the Trinity. But yet, they were considered gods. Because they were placed above mankind. Right? What happened when, when, when it said that Jesus came and became a man? He said that he was made a little lower than the angels. Okay, we were not created, brought into this world with the same attributes that the angels have. Certainly not the power. We don't have the access to the other realms. Right? We're in this fleshly body that, that, is fallen. But yet, God calls them gods. How long will you judge unjustly? Now this is Him calling His counsel together. And, and if you don't understand His counsel, dive into that a little bit. First Kings 22 is an amazing, amazing insight into His counsel. Just because it's God's counsel, I want you to understand two things. One, doesn't mean that they are all godly angels. They're not. Clearly, as we read on, we're going to see that. His counsel, also, second thing, his counsel are not there to give him advice. Does God need advice? No, of course not. But God, from the beginning established the idea of unity and working together, and there's a cost when you don't. That's what this is about. So this council, this divine council, he brings them all together, and he says, and it's so, so I want you to picture bringing those seven, and, and it was more than that, but bringing the, at least those seven together, right, along with Lucifer, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. See what he's saying to this council is you guys know better. You know better. Because they don't know what we know. They don't know what we know. They don't know who you are. They don't know who I am. They can't see in the realms in which we operate. It was your responsibility to lead justly. And you failed. Verse 6. And this is where it gets heavy. I said, you are gods, son of the most high, all of you. By the way, what that means is they were his creation. Okay, don't compare them with Jesus, the son of God. 
it's it's completely different. Lucifer and Satan, he, he, he is not Jesus' brother. Okay, Jesus Christ is a part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He was a Trinity before Jesus came to this earth. He is a Trinity now. Nothing ever changed. Okay, this is not his brothers that are being judged here. This is part of God's creation. These are the angels that sinned in Genesis chapter 6. These were the fallen ones that came out of the third that fell with Lucifer. So please understand who he's talking to here. I said you are God, Son of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. See, before this moment, they all had eternal life. Think about that. There was no death. Even though by Adam's sin, death came to the world. There was no death for them. So he's saying, just like man, you will die and fall like any prince. And then verse 8. I love this, because this is what takes us into where we are this morning. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit the nations. Excuse me, the nations. You shall inherit the nations. I find that interesting because it doesn't say you shall conquer the nations. Interesting. And, and, and you go to that Hebrew term, and, and it, it's, it's a very interesting choice of terms. Why? Because what he is going to do in inheriting the, the nations is in a partnership with his people. It was always supposed to be that way. It was supposed to be that way with Israel. As Israel rejected him, it opened up for the rest of the world to be a part of it. It didn't change his plan. His plan is partnership with his children to conquer first in that spiritual zone. To make manifest in the spirit realm what then can be made manifest in the physical realm. Because the physical always follows the spiritual. So then, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. All throughout the Old Testament, there was something hidden that Paul had the privilege of revealing in the New Testament But we assume that by reading it, everything that God wants us to know about everything is written right there. And that's so untrue. If that was untrue, there wouldn't be a need for relationship, for further teaching. So Ephesians chapter 3 talks about this mystery. And we've talked about the mystery before, how the Gentiles are grafted in. I want to, let's see, verse 5. 
Uh, let's start at verse 3. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. By who? By the Holy Spirit. What is this mystery? The open door to this mystery is verse 6. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. doesn't say a different promise. It says the promise. What is the promise? It's the very promise that was given in Genesis chapter 3 that there's a seed coming. That will crush your seed, the Lord said to Satan. That seed is the Messiah. A Savior that would come. That would bring victory and make it available to all, not just Jews, but the entire world. Now, by the way, why wasn't this revealed in the Old Testament? Because when you know the mystery, now go back and read your Old Testament. Oh my goodness, it's on every page. All the minor prophets, all the major prophets, they talk about this mystery, but yet you don't even know that unless you know what the mystery was. So then I want to go down to... Let's just keep reading. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. So there was a plan. There was a plan. This mystery wasn't just that, okay, Gentiles, you get to come to heaven too. We're going to graft you in. But there's a plan to this mystery. What, what's the plan? Or what's the goal of the plan? We just saw it in Psalm 82. It's to take back the nations. That plan is to take back what Adam gave away in Genesis 3. It's what he wanted to do with Israel when they rejected him. By the way, God knew that. God knew that that was going to happen. Right? But yet that was his plan. And and Paul talks about this in Galatians. Don't get it all twisted in your mind like... Well, does that mean God made them reject him? And Every man has a choice. Every person has a choice. God literally sent his son to die for that choice. Right? We all have a choice. But this plan is to bring us all together. Let's keep reading. Plan of the mystery hidden for all ages in God who created all things, what? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to who? To the rulers, to the authorities. Where? In heavenly places. 
See, this warfare is not about you guys. It's not about me. It's over us. <laughs> right? The war is for our choice. God fights for your choice. Satan wants to limit your choice. He does that through deception. He does that through many means. He wants to limit your choice. But God said there is this vast war going on in the Spirit to preserve your choice. So this mystery, it's to tell the rulers, the authorities in heavenly places, Look, we're going to war. This mystery is a declaration of war. It's literally to say, my son has paid for everything. Now I'm coming to claim it and I have people that believe. That's what it is. That's what it is. And he doesn't need a lot. That's why it's just a remnant. Do you know the people sitting right here? The people sitting right here can change the world. And you look at your neighbor and you think, okay, we need some more people. Maybe we need some rich people. Maybe we need some powerful people. Maybe if Donald Trump would just walk in that door, then, then maybe we could change the world. Look at every time God changed the world in the Word of God. He used people that had no idea that He could do it through them. In fact, oftentimes they resisted Him. Like Moses. Hey Moses, I'm calling you to change the world. Well God, I can't talk so well. You know, but, 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 but. No, I've called you because why? I know, I know it is your body, it's your will that's speaking to me right now, but your spirit is louder than your will. And praise God, he listens to our spirit. When he said, David, I think I talked about this last week, David, he said, is a man after my own heart. And yet David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was a liar. But he was a man after his own heart. Why? God listened to His Spirit. Not just His words. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for listening to my spirit. Because the intellect part of me is an idiot. God even said, you know, your spirit learns different than your mind, than your will. Praise God. So, so I think in my sleep, maybe my spirit's teaching me something. I don't know. But I see the changes. I see the changes. So God was boasting here in Ephesians 3 about the fact that he's telling the principalities, I'm coming after you. If, if Satan would have known the mystery, even just the door of the mystery, which was the Gentiles being grafted in, do you know he never would have put Jesus on the cross in a million years? 
He would have pampered him. He would have made sure his life was like no issues whatsoever. That's why God had to keep it a mystery. Because he used Satan's hatred to turn back on himself. And that's what he's doing today. He's doing the same exact thing today. So I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter two, verse two to seven. Uh, wait, two to seven? No, sorry, seven and eight. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this late age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay, it's what, what we just talked about. But, let's, let's read it again. The secret and hidden wisdom of God. You know, I talked about a couple of weeks ago, one thing, I think I mentioned this in diving into the book of Zechariah. And, and honestly, any, anything that you dive into, any Word of God study that you go into, there's something you must do first. You pray, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to sit right beside me. I need your wisdom to pour into me to understand the layers that are in your Word. He, he's the author, so he can explain the layers. Because if all you understand is the historical content of what you read, then everything about your faith is intellectual. And it will take you down the wrong paths. You will lose and miss the very mystery that God intended. God did not make us just to be intellectual because intellectualism doesn't require faith. Right? Intellectualism is that, well, I read this, this makes sense, so I can believe it. Okay, I'll tell you what. How about, read this, let the Holy Spirit explain it to you, it make no sense, but then you believe it. Do you know that's what was required for you to receive Jesus Christ as Savior? Do you know when you received Jesus Christ as Savior, you believed... You believed that Jesus Christ, as God, inserted himself into his own creation, became, was born a man, born of a virgin, was not born into the fleshly body that we have, lived a perfect sinless life, gave his life on the cross for our sin 2,000 years ago, and then was raised from the dead. And now sits at the right hand of the Father. When you say that, it sounds so poetic. And yeah, I believe it. And, and by the way, I, I, I know you do. I know you believe it. But the evidence of that being true came in faith. You can't believe it because Jesus came over to your house. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, I wanted to let you know I, I, I am sitting at the right hand of the Father right now and I did come to the earth. 
You know, here's the evidence. Here, here, go ahead and put your hand in my side. Feel the scar. Look at my hands. See the scars here. I just want to let you know so intellectually you could accept who I am. Come on. That's ridiculous. No, you believed it by faith. You believed that God became a man to pay for your sin. 2,000 years before you were ever a thought. That takes faith. But yet that's only the open door. That's only the open door. God said that is the beginning of relationship with Him. Now He wants you to believe that He wants relationship with you even now. He wants it by faith. He wants you to believe. Why? Because you're supposed to be part of this army that's rising up. This army that is now taking land. That is now beginning to fulfill Psalm 82. The last verse. Beginning to fulfill the calling that God gave Adam in the very beginning. I'll tell you, when you start believing... Two things happen. God starts to show you confirmation. When you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you can, if you've been saved for any length of time, you can look back on your life and you could see the changes that He's brought in your life. Maybe, or maybe not material changes, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about heart changes. Even your desire to know Him. So He gives you confirmations of what you chose to believe. It's no different with this. As you build relationship with with Him, He will take you through confirmations of knowing your faith was over something true. That's what He did for me in this. In understanding the layout of the world, if you will, in, in the spirit realm. So, by the way, if, if, if you're really studying, always go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16, and read that. And invite the Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom, show you the layers and sub-layers of what His Word means. And he'll do it. Turn to uh, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Say this. We're talking about this mystery still. The mystery hidden for all ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is what? Christ in you. See, it's not just about your salvation. It's not just about your justification of sin. Your golden ticket to heaven. I mean, that's awesome. But man, that bar is actually pretty low God expects way more than that. His son paid for way more than that. He didn't just pay for you to get out of the fire. He paid for you to live in victory. 
He paid for you to live with what? That mystery of Christ in you. Christ living inside of you in unity with Him. What happens when a person is like that? Christ comes out. Right? He shines through. Have you ever, have you ever seen a person or talked to a person or come up to a person that is so obviously filled with the Holy Spirit? What, what does that mean? It's the very mystery of Christ in them. It's the relationship that God intends to build in each one of us. By the way, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. I love God is always a God of opportunity. Do you know what the past is to God? Lord, forgive me of that. Boom. Gone. You may deal with consequences, but that's got nothing to do with it. Before God's eyes, you're forgiven. Every day that you wake up breathing is a day for you to move closer to Him in relationship. doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter what you're dealing with because when we get saved, it doesn't mean that we're not in the middle of dealing with things. I have seen alcoholics get saved. Didn't mean they didn't have to deal with that because they did. But they had a power inside of them that gave them the strength to do it. And it was real. And that is all done by that faith. So Ephesians chapter 1. We're doing all right, hopefully. Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10. Again, talking about this mystery, verse 9. Making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as what? As a plan. We talked about the plan earlier. For the fullness of time to what? Unite all things in Him. That isn't just all people. Well, we want to unite all the people, all the Christians. We just want to unite them in Christ and, and then, you know, let's, let's all just get everybody on the same page being saved and the rapture will come and I'll take you away from all that. Just like that commercial, Calgon, take me away. It's funny. I know only the people over 50 are laughing at that one. That's right. I'm showing my age, aren't I? That was a long time ago. That's all right. That was very special for about six people in here. Okay? But it's to unite. It says things in heaven and things on the earth. What is the other piece that's to be united? It's all of his creation. It's everything that Adam gave away. It's not just his people to be united. It's creation, the very creation that is groaning. Says, groaning to see who the sons of God are. Why? Because literally the freedom of creation is coming through them. 
God is working through His people in relationship with Him to free creation. Why do you think creation's groaning? I'd be groaning. Dadgummit, what has taken you guys so long? That's what I'd be saying. I want some freedom here. You know, that lamb is saying, I gotta keep running from the lion. I gotta keep running. I want some freedom. So yeah, creation's groaning. You're starting to see signs of this. The Lord said that we would see things happen in His creation as His creation starts to respond to what God is doing. You see it now. We see unprecedented. I I love that word. You're hearing it almost all the time now. Unprecedented deaths from tornadoes. Unprecedented death from this. Unprecedented death from that. Now, I'm not pointing the focus of a judgment. What I'm saying is that creation is responding because creation is starting to understand. And and creation is not a person. Okay, understand creation is not a person like we are. You know, don't don't go giving validity to talking to a tree. You know, it's not what I'm saying. Okay? But creation has a creator. And it says even the birds of the air trust God for what they get. Right? So creation has been waiting a long time. So when, when, however they're starting to pick up on it, however the trees are starting to understand, however the earth is starting to understand, however the animals are starting to understand, I don't know, I can't tell you. I do know that there are some weird things that happen. I had a bird, and this was a couple of years ago, and I, I asked the Lord about it. It was the weirdest thing. I had a bird come up and, and land. I was sitting in my truck in a parking lot, landed right on the, the rear, or side view mirror. And my, my window was closed. And he looks at me. I'm like, okay, that's weird. He's, he's like two feet from my face. That's weird. And then he looks at me and then he jumps over to the window. And he starts like flapping his wings at the window. And I'm like, okay, at the time we were heavily embroiled in warfare. I'm thinking, this bird wants to kill me. <laughs> but it was, it was kind of weird because I also, it, it was like he kept looking at me. Not that he was looking, but, you know, it looked like he was looking into my eyes. You know, I don't know. They don't have pupils, so I can't tell you for sure. But he was certainly trying to get in. And, and this went on for a long time. And, and I kept thinking, man, I, I just kind of want to roll down my window, see what he does. But then I had these visions of him poking out my eyes and everything else. I said, no, I'll keep the window up. So I asked the Lord about it later. I said, Lord, what in the world was that? And, and he, he said, yeah. He said, creation is starting to recognize the sons of God. I said, well, what would he have done? He said he would have 
jumped into your lap and sat there. And I thought, crap. I really wish I would have rolled down my window now. But do you understand that creation has a point in this? Why? Because they didn't do anything to deserve what they got. It all came down from the authority that was over them. Boy, isn't that a metaphor of today? We don't deserve what we get. And I won't just say Biden because, I mean, he, he, he was gone a long time ago. I'm talking about this group. This group that wants to rule the world. This group that certainly rules the United States. First of all, they don't rule anything because it is who rules them. They themselves are slaves. Understand that. But we know what it's like to be under a rule for something we didn't do. So I can imagine how creation must feel. But God is revealing the sons of God because his plan is, as it says here, to unite all things in him. So turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Just go a couple chapters over. Verses 3 to 6 say this, how the mystery, and again, we're continuing to talk about the mystery, how the mystery was made known to one by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations and has now been revealed to by his holy apostles, the prophets, by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, the member of the same body, and partakers of the promise. Did did I read this? I must have read something similar to it. Oh, no, I, I read further down. Sorry. That we are fellow heirs. Okay, wait a second. Fellow heirs. That's the equal heirs. Right? God's plan all along was to open this up to his entire creation. It was never supposed to be held back to anybody. The only difference is his plan was to take it through Israel, but by their very rejection, it was opened up. Paul deals with this, as I said in in Galatians. But understand this mystery from the beginning was the salvation of his entire creation. Everything. Because we now are partakers of this promise. Turn to Romans chapter 11. After Israel rejected him, God's plan swung into full effect. The plan of the bride. The plan of the unity of the bride. Was it for the sake of, well, now Israel rejected him, so they're no longer a part of this? No. No, it became inclusive on an individual basis. Okay, a a Jewish person can accept the Lord as much as I can or you can, anybody else can. It was open to everybody. Everybody who chooses to accept him. 
But there are still promises to his nation. By the way, the, the nation that, when, at the Tower of Babel, when he gave the nations away, it was about 250 years later that God then announced he was going to build a new nation through Abraham. A nation, the word says, unto himself. That nation that would save, or through that nation would save the world. Okay, now, at the time, that puts a big target on Israel for Satan. Okay, the world's going to be saved through them. I'm going to go after them because if I could conquer them, I stop God's plan. Not realizing the mystery was that they would be stopped because it was supposed to open up to all those nations he had given away because he was to inherit all the nations. So Romans, uh, we'll start at verse 11. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means, rather through their trespass, and talking about Israel... Through their trespass, salvation has come to the generals, uh, Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. That is a key. By, by the way, not that it's the only meaning, but a lot of times we see 11-11. 11-11. By the way, there is a, there is a um, heavy witchcraft meaning to that. But remember, Satan is always a copycat. There is also a godly meaning and I just myself personally believe that it means this verse right here. That everything God does with the bride is to make Israel jealous. Why? Just because, see, you didn't choose me, so blah. No. It's, see, this is what I want to do with you. So, so you could be included. But as a nation, God's promises to that nation will not fail. They will come to pass. So again, to keep reading. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Okay, this is where a lot of theologians get tripped up. Which, by the way, I don't know if it was just released now or why. Because you don't hear preachers preaching, you don't hear theologians talking about the mystery of Jesus Christ being beyond that salvation that the Gentiles now are included in. And it's kind of like salvation opening a door to relationship. Okay, that's kind of what, what inclusion of the Gentiles opening up to the fullness and unity of the bride equates to. It's like tiny to huge, right? And all I hear preached is that tiny. It's about, yeah, the Gentiles are included, so get saved. Come on, let's get the full number of the Gentiles in. Once we hit that number, Jesus comes and gets us, takes us home. Man, what a waste of your time. What a waste of your time. That means you have no clue that you're supposed to be in the battle. That you're supposed to know who he is and what your authority is and what your calling is. Because they are to be included. 
But in fact, right now, they are included. It's said that in the Lord's kingdom, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, there is no slave. We are all the same. Right? This does not delete God's promises to Israel. That's a different time. The thousand-year reign is a different time. It is not right now. We are not. Please, please underscore this. Memorize this. Know this. We are not entering into the tribulation times. We're not. We're not. We can't be. Because there are things that have to happen before that. The very things that we're reading, this mystery of the bride, this taking down of strongholds, all of this is supposed to happen first. And indeed, it's even happening now. Uh, let me just keep, keep reading. But it's the full inclusion. But this whole concept is important to get. Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, and as much then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, verse 14, in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous, and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruit is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, talking about the Gentiles, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. Those that were the natural branches, the, the, the Jews, right? Don't be arrogant toward them, it says. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That's true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, their rejection of Jesus Christ. But you stand fast through faith, so do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note that the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but kindness toward you, providing you continue in His kindness. Otherwise, you too would be cut off. By the way, don't, don't assume there that you can lose your salvation. Remember, we've talked about it a million times. Justification of sin is different than relationship with Jesus Christ. You can lose your relationship. Just like, you know, in a marriage, you can lose your closeness to your person. Does it mean that you're not married anymore? No. Salvation is something you didn't earn. Your justification of sin, it's something you accepted. Jesus Christ did it all by his grace. And, and he guarantees that to you. So what is being talked about here is your walk with God, your relationship with him. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back in 
to their own olive tree. What that's saying is salvation is open to everybody. Salvation is open to everybody. How much more so even those who were given the original promise? How can they be grafted back in? It's not talking about the thousand-year reign, guys. That's not where they're grafted back in. That fulfills the very promise. But they are under the law there. Don't be confused. In the thousand-year reign, the temple is active again. Right? Read Ezekiel starting at chapter 40. The sacrifices for sin are active again. In fact, they're more than they ever were in the first two temples. So that's not what this is talking about. Them being grafted in is the fact that that offer to accept Jesus Christ as Messiah is for them. And it's for you. It's to bring the unity of all of us together. We're almost kind of getting there. I'm doing my best. Turn to Revelation chapter 10. Just a couple of more points here. Revelation chapter 10, verse 7. But in the days, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but in the days, but in, but that in the days of the trumpet, called to be sounded by the seventh angel or the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God, all that we've been talking about, would be fulfilled. Okay, it wouldn't be revealed. It would be fulfilled. It would be done. It would be stamped. In other words, it would be historical. We would see what the incredible inclusion of that mystery is. So let's go to it. Go down a few pages. Turn to Revelation chapter 11. The seventh trumpet. Verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven. Now, by the way, I'm going to mention this. There's a point in that seventh trumpet. It says, I believe, in First Thessalonians. That's the rapture. It's like the rapture is not about here. Let's just let me save you guys. It's just so rough for you down there. Let me come on. I'm here to make your day better. Just I'll rapture you now. No, we'll be a readied bride. What is a readied bride? A readied bride is a bride who knows who she is. A readied bride is one who understands her authority, who walks in her authority. The bride right now is not walking in her authority, does not understand who she is. A remnant does. And a remnant, that's why a remnant is leading. That's why you look at all these major names, and they're all over the place. All these religions, they're all over the place. They don't know how to react because they're literally reacting to the manifestation of what's going on on the earth. They can't see into the spirit realm and recognize what's really going on. But God is teaching the remnant that. So, so when this seventh 
angels blowing his trumpet, he says, the kingdom of the world, in other words, this realm, the kingdom of this realm, what we know of right now, when we look out, everything that we see, the kingdom of this world has become. That's a historical statement. So we're talking about at the end of this. And that's when the rapture is. Okay, guys? The rapture is after his kingdom come. It says, has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and shall, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, and this, this is like a little song about the history of what is going on right now. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came and the time for the dead to be judged. And for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for the destroying of the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. Okay, God wants you to get this. What he is building right now. He wants you to get this. And the dead to be judged. Okay, wait, that, that's going to confuse you. As you dive into this, that's going to confuse you because then you're going to equate that to the great white throne judgment. That's not what it is. What's the demonic? I mean, literally. We've talked about this. They're Nephilim that were human. Their human body died, Genesis chapter 6. Their spirit moved on. And and what I mean by moved on, it, it became demonic. Always, the Bible says, always searching for a host. Okay? Those spirits will be judged. That's who he's talking about. The dead being judged. They're already dead. But their demonic spirits have not been judged. That's why when we, when we deal with, with deliverance now, we send them to the abyss. You send them to the abyss. That is their judgment. That is their judgment. God has said, do you not know you will judge angels? You, his remnant, will be part of this judging. When we do deliverance, we are part of this judging. And then for the destroying of the destroyers on the earth. So I'm going to tell you one last thing. Last thing, I promise. And we could spend all day on this. But I'm just going to say a little, just a little something about it. Turn to Zechariah chapter 3. Because I believe this was the beginning. This was the beginning of God's mystery taking effect in authority. You understand what I'm saying? Where it's not just him telling us about a mystery and this, you know, this is coming and this is coming. Have faith, have hope. This is coming. Okay, no, this is something that now is a point of history. Okay? Zechariah chapter 3, and I'm I'm just not going to read the whole thing, but, but basically... He says that there was a high priest at the time, and at the time, 
Israel was in, in slavery, right? Israel was, was in slavery in Babylon uh, for that 70 years. This was when there was, the, there was this prophecy about the, the temple being rebuilt and then Jerusalem being rebuilt and, and Daniel gives a, uh, a prophecy down to the very day. He gives a prophecy of the Messiah coming and he says to the day, he says how many days it will be. It, it, it's, it's insane. It's accurate to the day. And he says when Jerusalem, when the order goes out for Jerusalem to be restored, which is, that's the timing in which we're, we're reading here for Joshua the high priest. And I, I won't dovetail on that. Great study. It was to the day for Jesus' triumphal entry. To the day. It is wild. But anyways, Joshua was the high priest at the time, recognizing that they're, they're in, you know, they're slaves, right? And yet, yet they've been told, yes, you could go and, and start to rebuild the temple. They were given permission to build the temple before they were given permission to rebuild Jerusalem. Um, but anyways, <clears throat> so... Zechariah is given a vision of Joshua the priest, and he's in a court scene, which I love. I love this. You want to understand about the courts? Start, start looking at Scripture through the, the lens of it being a court, like a judicial court. Not, not a court like a king's court, but a judicial court. So he's in court. Here's Satan on one side giving all these accusations, and God says no. For he is a brand in the fire, plucked from the fire. And then he's given clean clothes. Zechariah says, put a clean turban on his head. Right? That was a picture of his forgiveness. Not that he wasn't a sinner. That's what Satan was there to tell him. No, but he does this, 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 and this. And he said, no, 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 no. No, there are plans for him. And he was made pure. And then he was given charge of a particular court. It says, uh, verse 6, And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, or Yehoshua in in the Hebrew, Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Please let me, man, I know a few of you are studying Zechariah. Let me, let me point something out here. This is not talking about Jesus Christ. This is not talking about Jesus Christ. Even when you go to chapter 5 when it says, for, for there's a branch coming, right? You'll even see the branches capitalized in, in the Word of God. That is not Jesus Christ. It, it can't be. And, and it's for the very thing that it says here. It says, if you will walk in my ways. Okay, there was a declaration laid before Joshua, which by the way, Joshua was an actual, he was Yehoshua, in, he was an actual high priest at the time. 
And, and theologians will say, well, yeah, but he's, he's a picture of Jesus to come. Okay, if, if, if this was anything about Jesus, there does not have to be the declaration of if you will be obedient, if you will follow me. But there is. There's a condition on having charge of the courts. Now, here's the end. Let's, let's keep reading for a second. I will give you rule of my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access amongst those who are standing here. Who are those? Where is he? In this vision, where, where is Joshua? He's before the court of the Lord. He's in the Spirit. Who, who's around him? We, we read it earlier in Zechariah. It was the two olive trees that stood next to the candlestick. We know the two olive trees out of Revelation are two anointed spirits. Right? They're, they're angels. They're archangels. So who is standing around Joshua in this vision? It's the angels that are a part of the court. It's all the scene of that courtroom with God the Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. All of those, he is saying, if you walk in my ways, I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. That's in the Spirit. Man, you guys got to get that. Because this war will not be won if it is not won in the Spirit first. That's what Joshua was giving at the time. Or or that's what the, the vision said. Hear now, Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit here before you, for they are men who are a sign. You know, it's interesting, if you study Joshua, which I did, all the things that it said would happen never happened to him. He never had access to those courts. There was never anything written about that. He never even went further. And I said, Lord, what's going on here? And he took me back to this verse and he said, this is a sign. You are a sign of what? Of things to come. Then he goes into, for I will bring the branch. I will bring my branch. Jesus himself said he's not the branch. Right? He said, you're the branches. He, he's the vine. We are plugged into him. What this is telling you in Zechariah is that you play a part in this war. Your authority plays a part in this. What he needs us to get is that we have an avenue for it to happen. See, the Lord opened up something for us back in September of 2019. For most in here, you're familiar with the courts, right? The court of accusations. Most, most in here have been to the court of accusations, right? And we, I, I won't go into that, but heaven is made up of various courts. I know of four. At the time, I knew of one. I knew of the court of accusations. Which, by the way, whether you know it's a court or not, you've been there. If you've ever gone before the Lord and asked forgiveness for anything, you are before his court. 
it, it isn't some formal thing where, okay, I need to, I need to go and, and, I mean, God's given us access to be able to help in those ways, but, but it's just you going before the Lord in forgiveness. That's all it is. But one day, September of 2019, the Lord said to me, and it was the oddest thing, he said, I want you to go to court. Now, I was very used to that because we would go to court on behalf of people, right, which we, we have in most people in here. Okay. He said, I want you to do it on Sunday morning. Okay, that's a little different because we're online Sunday morning. Okay, but I'll be obedient, whatever you want, Lord. I said, who are we going to court for? Who are we a witness for? He said, yourselves. He said, you're, you're there for ignition. Okay. Now, this goes back to give you a clue as to how I work. I say yes, and then I really seek to understand. <laughs> I always say yes first. I've learned that the hard way. Just say yes. I said, okay, absolutely, Lord. I, I just trust that you're going to tell me what in the world this is about because I don't understand. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in that. So that Sunday morning we did. We went before the Lord. We went to court, and we have... Seers, for those of you who don't understand, there are people that are given a gift of sight in the Spirit. There are people that are given a gift of hearing in the Spirit. And that Sunday morning we had three who had the gift of sight in the Spirit. And the doors that we were going into were different doors. And I said, describe them to me. And they said, they're metal. They're immense. They're huge. And, and I, I won't belabor this in time, but basically when we got inside, we found out this was a different court. It wasn't a court we were used to. The court of accusations doors were wood. Very ornate wood, but wood. These were different. When we went inside, it was different because there were balconies. There were balconies with every nation in them. Now, in walking into this, I didn't understand what that meant. Like, I, I, I walk in trust with him, and, okay, Lord, I mean, from the beginning, I'll step, but then you've got to show me what's going on. You've got to show me. You've got to prove it out in your word. You have to prove it out from you. But I stepped in faith, and he took us into a new court, I called it the Court of Nations, for lack of a better name. I, I don't recall if he gave us that name or if I just called it that because all the nations were in there. Because when we went in, I did ask. I said, what is this? And, and he said, this is the court where all the nations are brought before him. So we went in, we had that court case, and then... I went and sought the Lord on it. What is that court? What is that court, Lord? And he took me to Zechariah chapter 3. He said, do you remember? Do you remember what I said here? I said that what I showed Joshua was for another time. It was for a coming day. Now, believe it or not, 
And I'm not here to convince you. really don't care. I'm a messenger that I give the information. It's up to you to choose. But I can tell you God opened that courtroom to us. And for the last three and a half years, he has, not when we desire it, he's the one who told us of a court case. We have to this day had 51 court cases in that courtroom. 51. It started out with those principalities that were in charge of those zones. Them and their seven colonels. Each one was taken to court. Each one was found guilty. Each one has been cast to the abyss. So when I tell you the head has been cut off the enemy, that's what I mean. The head organization, the principality that was in charge of that zone, and the seven principalities underneath them are gone in those zones. That's why you see the havoc being wreaked right now. That's why it's so crazy right now. Why? Because what happens when you cut the head off? The body goes nuts. You ever watch a chicken with its head cut off? You ever watch a snake with its head cut off? They go nuts. They, they go aimless. They'll run into walls. That's what's happening right now. Why? Because the head's been cut off. The head's been cut off. Now, recently, more importantly, and I'm going to end on this because it's what I began with. One year ago, May, last year, God started taking me to each of those regions. I've been to five regions in the past year. The first one was Europe. The second one was Africa. The third one was right here in America. Right? We're in a region, right? The fourth one was last July, I think. can't remember when it was. It was the Middle East when he took me to Jordan. The fifth one was just two days ago. It was, it was the South Amer- Central and South America region. What did he have me do there? Yeah. Make declarations. All he said to me was, Greg, go and take the land. Declare it's mine. That's what I've done in every region. There are two regions left. This isn't something that I orchestrate myself. If you would have asked me two weeks ago, or told me two weeks ago I was going to Brazil, I would would have laughed. And then he told me that. I didn't laugh because I wouldn't laugh at him. But inside I'm like, what? That came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. So like everything else, I said, okay, Lord, I believe you. I will step. But do you mind giving me some confirmations? And he did. So I went. I spent 36 hours in a place that doesn't understand me. And it, it wasn't like Geneva. Like, I could kind of get by there with people speaking a little bit of English. Here it was like, you know, I, 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 and they're, 
they speak Portuguese, and that didn't work so well. But, but the Lord got me through it. I made the declarations. He is taking these zones. Now, what does that mean? Now, now, woohoo, we're free. No. What that was was the declaration to now take the land. Everywhere that you are, I speak to this group here, I speak to those online. Everywhere that you are, take the land. Declare, not that it's yours. It's not about being yours. You don't even want it to be yours. Declare it's the Lord's. Declare everywhere you go, this is the Lord Jesus Christ's. He is the one who paid for it 2,000 years ago, and I declare it is his. Take that flag and plant it right there. Because we're going to do this all over the world. There is an army rising up. You see these small numbers here. It's not going to be that way much longer. Because there's something coming. There's a point at which that comes that everything changes. His power will be made manifest because it is time to take it. It's been taken in the spirit realm. And he continues to take it in the spirit realm. But now it's time to take and have it manifest in this realm. So trust him. Alex, come on up. And I know I went real long. That's okay. We're, we're going to close in prayer. And um, one quick evidence, by the way, that um, I happened to see recently as far as the generals being cut off is um, they were interviewing these, um, these gang leaders, especially in the Los Angeles area and some of the places where crime is just through the roof. And um, one of the guys that had gotten out of the gangs, but he was very high-ranking, he was talking to the to the journalist, and he said, "Man, he said it's not. It's this is so different now." He said, "We used to have certain limits: no kids, no women." He said, "Now it is a free for all, with attacks that they've never seen happen. I mean, they would they would go after you know vindictive or whatever for territories and things the way gangs operate. Which, by the way, the way human gangs operate is a lot like the way the spirit realm of." gangs demonically you'll never see it usually a single demon working alone they always work as a gang as a strategy to de- you know cause a stronghold or defeat but he said it's a free-for-all and you really see that so there's human realm physical realm manifestation of of the truth of the spirit realm and when you ask the lord with an open heart this is heavy i know it's heavy um please know that it has literally it's not just something good to know it has everything to do with your every day and my every day, whether we're walking in victory. You know, I know we've got our kids, we've got our, you know, our jobs, our finances, things that we're dealing with, you know, in life. But this, the understanding of who we are and what we walk in has everything to do with our every day. So this isn't just some good side study so you know more about the Bible. This is waking up. How do I get through my day with victory? You know, I, I grew up my whole life, wait, wait on the Lord, we're just going to wait, and, you know, we just wait. And then Isaiah, wait on the Lord, you'll renew your strength, you can mount up with wings as eagles. Why do we need to have our strength renewed? Why do we need to, to mount up like wings as eagles? It's because of what he, we explained this morning. It's because we're going to take territory. We need the strength for what is coming. And... Um, that's what's exciting. But that verse didn't make sense when it was just, this is all a big waiting room and we got our golden tickets and we'll just wait till we die so we can be with Jesus. 
there's such a huge thing missing, and it really makes for a purposeless kind of fake false life. And by the way, it is causing more and more seats to be emptied in churches because people are just sick of it. They just, they just don't want, you know, church to just go to church isn't cutting it anymore. And I know you all know that. But um, so, and we, we're not, you know, how we always say, man, ignition, the Lord will reveal the absolute truth of what he's doing. And people that don't want to hear it will be driven out um, just because that's just the way it is. We, you know, we want to share it with the whole world. But the Lord is looking for the remnant few who will carry his heart and be ready for the dwelling place. Last verse of Ephesians 2, the dwelling. He wants us to be a dwelling place. And I know for me, I want to be ready. I want to be ready for him to dwell in me in the fullness so that as I um, take Jesus to everyone in these very, very difficult days coming. They're already difficult for so many, but, um, but people are um, in need of, of a savior through watching our lives. Father, thank you for this word. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would drive people back to your word, back to these scriptures, and that, Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes to see spiritually what you are doing and how does it relate to our lives. God, just show the connection. Make the connection. Let there be a divine, a spiritual epiphany and awakening that will really give... Um, just purpose to why we're here and what you want from us, which is that close, wonderful, amazing, fulfilling relationship. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you paid for that gave it to us. And let us not cast aside uh, what you paid for in that so that we are um, just, just existing. God, because you paid for so much more through Jesus. And I just praise your name for it. Take us from this place um, with that word deep within our hearts and continuing to ponder it in the name of Jesus. Amen.